Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and let me pitch you guys something. Kevin Williamson writing a movie about a stabby guy or girl dressed in black. I call it The Person Who Couldn't Stop Stabbing. (laughs) (laughs) Joining me today is Devinder Hardawar. I can't wait for the Ghostface pandemic crossover. I'm sure it'll happen. And Jeff Kanata. Think of our show this week as a rapid test to see if you should stay quarantined with this movie. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on today's podcast, or uh, today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing the new movie, Sick, that's out available right now on Peacock. Uh, and very topical. Takes place in April of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, is pandemic related. Uh, should be a lot to discuss there. I think uh, we knew what Kevin Williamson was up to during his lockdown. Mm-hmm, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Of course, Stabbing you can people. <laughs> you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast. Uh, and of course, before that, we got uh, some film news. We got a couple emails. We got some what we've been watching for you. It's a packed show today, folks. I do just want to acknowledge again uh, that last week we had Ryan Johnson on the show, and that was an awesome episode. Also, um, I saw Slash Film did a bunch of write ups on the episode, and it was actually like awe inspiring to see. I don't know if you guys saw they wrote great. Like, yeah, yeah, ten articles about the podcast uh which truly is, like, that that is a machine of content creation right it's, there it's it's like it's yeah. all inspiring like what <laughs> they're able to achieve in such a short period of time so i, I know uh, how that is yeah exactly it, how that is indeed indeed so thanks to everyone at slashfilm.com who uh it, it looked like multiple writers to listen to that uh interview wrote up a bunch of stuff about we, we it we were like the apple event of uh <laughs> of what slash Film was doing that day it's great i love it i love it um but a huge thanks to ryan johnson and a huge thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash film podcast for making this show possible um i you know uh you both know that uh, an interview like that actually takes a lot of work to put together um to get out into the world um and it's because of our supporters at patreon.com slash film podcast that we are able to put in that time to do that this week on the patreon uh, it's going to be a Jeff Kanata D. Chen joint. We are going to be discussing Paul T. Goldman, the Peacock original series. We're going to be talking about full spoilers for that show, which just concluded its run uh, this week on Peacock. Um, and so uh, pretty interesting show. I think the fact that we're dedicating a spoiler segment to it on the After Dark is an indication of that. A um, lot of uh, <laughs> it's a weird show. It's, it's a, a weird. weird I really weird came show. around on it, though, Dave. I, I really, I really came around on at least, uh, you know, wanting to talk about. it. I think when we brought it up on on the epi- yes. on the uh, main show when it first debuted, I uh, I really was like, why would I even waste my time with this show? Right. And uh, the, the I, first few episodes actually really did sour me, but then I was yeah. like, you know what? Let's let's see how how this uh, where this goes. It's unique. It's weird. Uh, we're going to be discussing it on the Patreon this week. So look forward to that at Patreon.com/slash/filmpodcast. All right, folks, before we get to what we've been watching today, there are a few things to discuss. First of all, something very notable happened in the world of box office. The Jeff Kanata victory tour continues. That's so because good. Avatar The Way of Water crossed six, I'm sorry, $2 billion in worldwide box office after six weeks in release. I, I'm not sure, but I think that's good. I think it's really good. <laughs> It has grossed around $600 million domestically, $1.4 billion internationally. Um, 
as of this recording, maybe by the time you are listening to this, it may have already crossed uh, or it may have already beat Avengers Infinity War and Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens to become the fourth highest grossing film of all time. Uh, at, before it beats those movies, it's going to be the sixth highest grossing film of all time. But if it does beat those two movies, which at, at this trajectory, it almost definitely will. Uh, and may have already happened. It will be the fourth highest grossing film of all time, giving James Cameron three out of the top four highest grossing films of I all mean, time. Not bad. On. Not bad at all. Yeah. Those That's... four movies being Avatar 1, Titanic, uh, Avengers Endgame, and Avatar 2. That is some. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady shit right there. Mm -hmm. That's that's some like, mm -hmm. oh, the record books are mine. They are all mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A few other interesting statistics. Uh, it reached Avatar, uh, I'm sorry, Avatar The Way of Water reached um, $2 billion uh, six days earlier than the original Avatar. Wow. Um, and, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it's also uh, the second fastest. Avengers Endgame is still the fastest to reach $2 billion. Um, but it is the second fastest movie to reach $2 billion. And uh, the, the other thing is, though, that it is still way behind Avatar 1 and probably will never reach it. Um, Avatar is still $900 million away <laughs> in terms of global box office. I, I don't think it's going to overtake it, but this is a massive success. I, I you know, and I, I, like... Mia culpa, Jeff. Um, I always thought Avatar two would do well. I I did could not have predicted it would actually do this well. This is in fact almost the best case scenario for this movie. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a huge huge hit. So yeah, and uh, interestingly, I think in the uh, in the Slack film cast, uh, the, some people were pointing out that uh, Zoe Zaldana is the only actor in the history of time mm -hmm. to have four movies cross $2 billion that she's been pretty, in. Pretty massive. Mm. That is those incredible. How can we actually see her, uh, her human skin color? <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good question. To me. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. Um, good anyway, for her though. Yeah, yeah. Good for her. That's awesome. She, uh, she, I mean, she knows how to choose them too. You know, like, I don't yeah. think that just happens by accident. Like she, no, she, she's very strategic about which roles she's taking. And, uh, and now is like in some of the biggest movies of all time. The, this is the, like, there's, she's, she's like the new Hugo Weaving from the 2000s. You know, like <laughs> well, Hugo Weaving was like in the Matrix trilogy and also um, the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's some debate in the uh, Slack Filmcast about whether by the Dave Chen definition, she is the only movie star mm -hmm. on the planet. Yeah, I'm sure all those people who went to go see all those movies were like, this is a Zoe Saldana movie. That's well, what I'm going to According to, to your... Criteria, Dave. I mean, it uh, it ch it checks the boxes. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, it doesn't. That's what we're trying to say. But She's okay, got the dollars. It's all you cared about. That's all you cared about is whether. No, it's it's not it's not the dollars. It's that you go to see the movie because of the them motivation. In the movie. Yeah, yeah, the motivation the for the dollars. Anyway, that's yeah. eight bill. She's uh yeah. personally yeah, responsible yeah, yeah. for eight amazing. Bill. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's really remarkable, like how well it's doing, and, and honestly, like. Having seen the movie, I'm just like I, I. I don't think this is going to do nearly as well, and uh, I was wrong on that front. So I, re I really <laughs> wonder how long we're going to go on this, Dave. Like I wonder if there will be an Avatar two uh, reckoning 
on, on your end. I guess we'll see if you uh, ever see yeah. it again. I yeah. think, that mm. I, dude, I'm going to actually predict that right now. Yes, I think yes. there will I, be a I day. I agree. I agree, Jeff. Yeah. Where Dave will, will revisit it. When Avatar 3 comes out and mm-hmm. Avatar 2 inevitably is re-released in theaters and uh, Dave revisits it, he will be like, you know what, guys? I kind of change. I, I kind of see why you guys liked it. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna. I think it's gonna happen. Okay, I'm not. Hey, I, I have been notoriously a terrible predictor of my future opinions, <laughs> so I'm not going to say that won't happen. Uh, also, it's hard for, hard for me to see it happening right now. Mm-hmm. But little little tease for the after dark this week. I think there's also going to be a little bit of uh, Jeff was right in the after dark this week. Mm, I think that's true. Yeah, this is the subtitle li- of the show right I now. I would say a little bit, a little bit. But let's transition from that right into my favorite segment of the show. Jeff was wrong. <laughs> this, e- <laughs> this email comes in from Koi, uh, from Koi, longtime listener of the Slash Filmcast and Filmcast. He writes in, quote, uh, really happy to hear Jeff praise turn every page on last mm. week's episode of the podcast. I'm not a documentary person, but I really enjoyed this movie. I'm sure you'll hear this from plenty of folks, but it's not quite right that Robert Caro's books are not available in digital format. That's true of his first book, The Power Broker, but you can buy the others on Kindle and iBooks, etc. I read Mm. the first four installments of The Years of Lyndon Johnson on my phone. Really saved my spine. It's also worth saying that in addition to being monumentally important works of biography, these books are very, very good. They're an absolute pleasure to read. You wouldn't think that sociopolitical explanations, uh, I'm sorry, and examinations of how power worked in mid-century America would make for rip-roaring page-turners, but these books are exactly that. They're really hard to put down, except for the fact that they're so heavy. In fact, Caro's writing is so rich, so, so fluid, so vivid, that it's about as close as you can ever come to being cinematic in nonfiction writing. For that reason, the beautiful prose in these books is likely to be very appealing to the filmcast audience particularly. I highly, highly recommend any or all of these books to you and your listeners. Well worth reading in bed via necklight. Cheers, Koi. End quote. Thank you, Koi. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say I misspoke. I would say I overspoke because uh, I, I did look up uh, The Power Broker uh, on, uh, on Amazon to see if I could get it on Kindle and it, it is not available. And I think I, on the episode, I said all of his books are not available and it is just that first book of his mm-hmm. power broker, the LBJ books, uh, of which there are five so far, um, are, or maybe four that have been released in a fifth coming five. Anyway, there's a number of them. Uh, and those, uh, evidently are available. So yes, uh, mea culpa there, uh, but I was sort of right. Just not, uh, just overspoke. And I will also say a uh, beautiful email there. And I think uh, if, uh, if anybody watches the documentary that started this conversation called Turn Every Page, I think you will come away from that documentary also with the same impression uh, that Koi is, is expressing that uh, these books are beautifully written. Uh, excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that correction, Koi. And uh... Jeff extrapolating to conclusions based off of faulty premises. That's, that, that, that does sound like me. It does that, sound like me. That, that has never happened before and certainly won't be pointed out again later on in this podcast episode. <laughs> in like, let's say, five to ten minutes or so. Anyway, <clears throat> that's called foreshadowing, folks. Here comes another email from, at, to slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Andre Geising writes... Hi, Dave Devinger and Jeff. Reaching out to let you know that the filmcast was mentioned in De Volkskrant the third biggest newspaper in the Netherlands. The podcast is featured in two articles, and then Andre links the articles. And then Andre provides a uh, a very lovely translation here uh, about the filmcast. In the filmcast, three American film nerds, 
David Chen, Devinder Hardaway, and Jeff Carrara analyze new films and TV series each week with jokes, limericks, parentheses, yes, really, and strong analysis. More than 700 entertaining episodes have already been made, and the guys watch about three to five films a week. Film news is also discussed weekly, a good way to stay informed about new films, often before the Dutch release. Thankfully, the hosts give clear spoiler warnings, end quote. And then Andre continues, it's not much, but I thought it might be nice to know. Love the podcast, yada, 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 thanks. Uh, best, Andre from the, from the Netherlands. P.S. Jeff should really check out Trying on Apple TV+. Plus. Half-hour comedy, eight episodes per season, plus it's funny as hell. It has so much heart. Fairly mm-hmm. confident he'll like it, end quote. Um, so We're thank you, huge Andre. in the Netherlands! We are huge in I'm the Netherlands. Looking at our stats, it's just a big bar. You know, a big, a big like growth bar happening <laughs> yeah. from from the Netherlands. Amazing. Line, line goes up in in Netherlands. We, we are basically the David Hasselhoff of podcasting. I, I, mm. That's not a bad thing to be. Sure, <laughs> David Hasselhoff in the nineties. Sure, yeah. yeah. I think the only thing that's really I object to about this write up is the quote more than seven hundred entertaining episodes. We have certainly made seven hundred episodes, but entertaining? I'm not sure if <laughs> if more than seven hundred of them were entertaining. You know. Mm. Uh, in any case, I'm also very curious whenever somebody writes in with a recommendation to one specific person on the podcast, like they're saying, Jeff, you should really check out trying on Apple TV plus the show. Yeah. And I'm always like, what do you think Devinder and I are not sophisticated enough? Well, he recognizes the one of us that has good taste. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. The person who needs help with, uh, you know, suggestions, maybe, maybe there's that. (laughs) You're blinding yourself, Jeff. Mm, mm. We we had to tell you things. Otherwise you won't know. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. But a huge thank you to De Volksgrant, uh, or De Volksgrant, however you pronounce it, for writing us up. We really yeah, amazing. Do appreciate That's really it. cool. Yeah, that, that I love hearing amazing. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, if uh, listeners, if you've got a country. That's never written us up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you, you, you should consider writing us up. Be the yeah, change you want to yes. see in the world. <laughs> Somebody's I writing mean, in from like Djibouti. They'll be like, "I posted about you on my blog." I'll be like, "I'll, I'll read it on the podcast." Yeah, you know. We, yeah. we don't discriminate. Slash Sounds like we're such a hit. Uh, maybe maybe the Netherlands should just uh, invite us out for a show. Yes! You know? Oh, I love uh, this plan. I, I would not mind if they paid our expenses and our hotels to visit the Netherlands. Or maybe, relocate uh, maybe, me to yeah. your country forever. Yeah, Honorary passports, please. Pay for, pay for uh, yeah, honorary passport, re, a, re, a relocation fee, or as we call it in the industry, a relo fee uh-huh. would be yeah. great. You know? Um, would love to get a We'll nice bring relo. the limericks to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know that they actually listen to the you know this, yeah. this is a very yeah, common phenomenon this is a very common phenomenon okay guys like where people will say they listen to the podcast but mm-hmm. you know they don't actually listen i have that all the time here are people all the time yeah yeah they'll be like love the engadget podcast and then you'll uh-huh, be like uh-huh. name one thing we've ever discussed <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what was our last episode about huh <laughs> yeah um and it's always a weird situation because i'm always just like can we please drop this uh-huh, charade this pretense. this pretense under which we're interacting you know um yeah. but real ones know that there's a limerick on the podcast mm-hmm. yeah you know no i it's it's also fun when you get an email where it's like hey love your show uh did you know that Avatar 2 is doing well at the box office. You know, it's like, oh, you don't love this. <laughs> we talked about that incessantly. You know what I mean? They bring up the one, th- they, they, you know, I l- love the show. And then they say the thing. It's like, oh, we've definitely, definitely <laughs> talked about that a lot. Did you know that Avatar just crossed $2 billion? Yeah, yeah. Um, my, my favorite, Jeff, are when they email you that and then, but they don't use your name. Uh, so mm, because yeah. we used to be the Slash Filmcast, like, and basically the way these things work is like PR people have your name and email address 
on um, like a big spreadsheet, potentially mm-hmm. a dossier. You know? Ideally a database. Ideally a database, modern. but, but yeah. often things can get mixed up. So I'll often get tagged with uh-huh. slash film writer names like, yeah. hey, Ben. Yeah. Hey, Brad, do you want to know more about the blah, blah, blah? You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, like, I don't think we're ever going to talk, you and you you and me, PR person. But <laughs> but none of what I'm saying applies to the Volkskrant. No. the point I'm making. They actually they have integrity. Yeah. 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 And, and I guess this, you know, now that we're translating this into, like, practical advice, other than just, like, blowing smoke up our butts, um, you know, if you don't actually listen to the thing the person makes, um, don't try to pretend because they'll yeah, probably know. They'll yeah. probably know. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Um, this is advice I need to follow that's for myself, why, too. That's why I don't ever <laughs> claim to have listened to culturally relevant. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Notice how we never reference uh, <laughs> any of Dave's other shows. <laughs> uh, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, anyway, those are the emails. Keep them coming into slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's some of the film news discussion this week. Um, let's move on and get soon. Uh, get to what we've been watching uh, after a word from our sponsors. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right. Let's talk about what we've been watching this week. Uh, I want to start by saying that true to my word, gentlemen, true to my word, I finished watching yeah. Pale Blue Eye. Nobody yeah. made you do this, Dave. Doing you the, did this to yourself. Doing the tough work. Is yeah. this well, what I, you were foreshadowing, David? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Oh, no. you, yes, it was. You liked it? I'm just, here's what I'm going to put out there, okay? I think it was a mistake to not review this movie. Really? I was, yes. I, I'm not going to say that you will like it or even think it was worth watching to the end. Um, but there is enough stuff mm-hmm. that happens particularly in the final third of this movie that I'm like, you know, that's some interesting stuff going on. Like I understand sure. why Christian Bale wanted to sure. do this movie, but this okay. was your chance to do a Gerard Butler movie too. So oh, hundred, we don't I, get no, those often. Dude, zero regrets for reviewing. Yeah, yeah. I have zero regrets that we just, but I'm saying, uh, I, I would have loved to do like playing this week as an example, you know, like instead of, uh, uh, but instead of doing, instead of shunting pale blue eye into the nothingness of last week, um, but well, I will tell I, you, Dave. I have gotten a number of yes, uh, uh, personal we, outreach. We, we got we got several emails as well at the slash from catchgmail.com saying like you should finish Pale Blue Eye. And oh, I, so I, that's not what I was going to say. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I have ahead. gotten a number of people who are like, "Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. I also fell asleep during yeah. Pale Blue Eye, yeah. and I never fall asleep during movies." Uh, it's it's like a pandemic. Some people were literally saying, "What is it about this movie? Did they figure out some way to make it?" Yeah, uh, you know, a sleep aid. It's the color, you know, it's just washed out. It's it's very, you know, very yeah, very slow, very quiet. Blue. It's a very blue, pale blue, you might say. Yeah, mm. I. <laughs> De Volksgrant, it's still time. There's still time to issue a retraction <laughs> on your article about the film cast. 
we've so, been banned from the Netherlands. Wow, okay. <laughs> amazing! <laughs> Just coming in from the the the, the Volkskrant, we've been banned. Okay, so. <laughs> A uh, couple of thoughts real quick, okay? N- number one, I would agree with you guys that the pacing on the movie is languid. It is yeah. a very slow, deliberately paced movie that doesn't really care about, you know, you know taking you Entertaining on a you. riveting journey of the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I mean, it's it's fundamentally a murder mystery. And it's, it's, it's just fascinating to go from like Glass Onion, which is another murder mystery on Netflix, to this, which is, you know, Glass Onion, like, is over two hours long, but I never felt bored during that. Right. Movie. Wildly it, entertaining. Yeah. Yes. Very, very entertaining. This is not a movie that this, this is a movie that wants to savor its atmosphere, right? It's, it's about vibes, dude. It's about, <laughs> it's about the vibes of being in this extremely cold, snowy, depressing place. <laughs> yeah. Um, for it's, several it's hours. about, it's, it's, you know, it's Edgar Allan Poe, right? And, and, uh, famously his wife died of consumption. And I feel like this movie is trying to give you the feeling of what it might be like to die of consumption. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, that that part of the movie is not great. I can also see people getting to the end and feel like feeling like that movie did not justify its two plus hour runtime. Like that's a very reasonable position to have. Um, for me though, I got to the end and I'm like, oh, like there were enough surprises. There was enough stuff happening with the relation, the core relationship in that movie, which is between. Um, uh, Christian Bale's character and Harry Melling's character. Enough stuff going on there that I'm like, oh, this this does justify the time that I spent on this movie. Um, and yeah, it, there's some... I, I'm just trying to be ex- as vague about it as possible, right? But like, I, I was surprised at the ending. I'll just put it that way. I, so Okay. I obviously have no idea how the movie ends. Yeah. But the first meeting of those two characters in this movie is, is Edgar Allan Poe coming to Christian Bale's <laughs> character and saying, hey, I just want you to know the killer you're looking for is a poet. And Christian Bale is like, oh, why do you, why do you say that? And Edgar Allan Poe's like, feeling, f- feeling I have. And I, I don't understand why at that point the, the Christian Bale character, Master Detective, wouldn't go, you probably killed him, right? Because mm-hmm. like, that's what well, it's, it's, it's almost like you should watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's a, it's almost like it's possible that two thirds of the movie may address right. the, the two thirds of the movie you haven't seen. But I feel like you should have said this. that right away. Mm. Anyway, I'll stop talking about this movie because I did not give it a chance. It's not mm-hmm. fair to the filmmakers. It's not fair to the, the people involved. And, and I totally recognize that. But I will just say, I, I literally think if you've seen the movie, you there is no way in hell you would say what you just said if you'd seen the movie. Fair enough, you know. Uh, but go ahead. What were you going to say? I, I just will say that um, I did not make the the decision to not review this unilaterally. Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was a group decision. So, um, but I, I do think we we should have given it a chance, and I think having given it a chance, uh, I don't think everyone here would have loved it. But I do think that it is worth checking out. Um, if if you are into this kind of thing, which is to say, uh, atmospheric murder mysteries, you know, deliberately paced atmospheric murder mysteries, which some people might be. Um, so anyway, that's Pale Blue Eye. It's available right now on Netflix. Uh, Jeff, have I convinced have I convinced you to go back to it? <laughs> no. <laughs> in a word, no. Maybe in the after dark, I can tell you what the spoiler is. You know. Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah. Um, since you're never going to watch it. Okay, but anyway, Pale Blue Lights on Netflix. All right, I had a chance to watch a movie a few weeks ago, but I'm talking about it now because I believe this movie is being released into theaters in the next week or two. It's called Close. Have you guys heard of this movie? 
I believe this is mm-hmm, uh, an A. It's either an A twenty four movie or a neon yeah. movie. It has I a really say. striking poster. I've yeah, come across yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the movie is called Close, and it's about a. It's like a coming of age story. It's directed by Lucas Daunt, um, and it is a. Uh, I want to say a Belgian or French movie. Um, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival uh, last year. And I think this is a pretty interesting movie because it's about a friendship between these two boys. And the movie is really about toxic masculinity. It's really mm. about, or it's, no, 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 that's not, that's not right. It's about <laughs> how our society isn't really good at handling friendships between males. Like we as a society in general, I don't think, handle friendships between men well like there there's been a lot of terrifying statistics released recently like um one in seven men in america don't have a close friend Mm. right um i was listening to scott galloway business commentator talk he's like for 2023 your new year's resolution make a friend that's what your new year's resolution should be because like friends contribute so much to people's uh health their happiness. There was a, I think Washington Post podcast about this, about like how basically like if you have friends, you are more likely to live longer, be healthier. Like physically, it makes a huge difference right, to you right, to have yeah. friends. Um, that's talking about just friends in general, not like specifically male friendship, but close is about male friendship and how society doesn't really know how to deal with it. Like um, I, I've told this story before. Uh, but I was once talking with an old coworker of mine about like getting a massage and, um, he was saying like, I don't like anyone like touching my, he he said, I don't like massages. I don't like anyone touching my body basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I told my massage therapist about this and, uh, she said, yeah, I think men don't really know how to handle it because that's not, that's not uncommon. I'd say because, because like, um, men only like experience touch in two contexts generally. Uh, either they're fighting someone or they're having sex. Like typically those are the two contexts or under both. which they experience touch. Thank you, Jeff. Um, but you know, like this, uh, I think this is a problem, right? And it's like bo- boys and men aren't really allowed to have close friendships without people being like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Hey, isn't it weird that like so-and-so and so-and-so are like male friends and they hold yeah. hands. Like, isn't Which that is why weird? RRR is so refreshing, you know, right? Mm-hmm. like just yeah. pure, pure friendship. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I, I'm, I'm trying to be extremely vague about the plot of the movie, but, um, that's what the movie's about. And I think it's like a really beautiful movie. It's, it is another vibes movie. It's like yeah, not really yeah. about plot. It's not really about dialogue. It's more about just like spending time with these characters as they go through some things. Um, and so I think it's very lovely. I I think that like, uh, I didn't find it to be like particularly satisfying from a plot perspective. I wanted there to be like a big emotional cathartic moment that there wasn't in this movie. I don't think. Um, but you know, that's not the kind of movie it's trying to be. And I respect that. Uh, it's still a really valuable, meaningful film. So, um, anyway, it's the movie's close and it is going to be in theater soon, and I think it's probably going to get a home video release uh, sometime in 2023. But I think I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good, uh, and you should check it out. It's, it's, it has a message that's worth sharing for sure. Okay, I also wanted to talk about a movie called Funny Pages. Oh yeah, 
Nice. Uh, I, I heard a few people mention this on their top 10 lists for 2022. Mm-hmm. This is I've, eight- I've had the save to watch on iTunes for months, now, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. It was on sale for like $6, Devendra. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. wow, even Jeff couldn't say no to this purchase. <laughs> uh, because this costs as much to rent as to purchase, basically. Uh, so I purchased it, and I'm going to tell the story of this one time when I was like, I think I was in college or, yeah, I, I was in college, and uh, I got an internship in New York City one one summer. And uh, I... Was trying to find a place to live, and even mm-hmm. back then, this is I remember ago, this. Yeah, New yeah. York City was like really hard, hard to live in, right? Mm-hmm. And um, this one guy like opened his his doors to me, and I was really, really grateful for it. You know, uh, he lived in a basement apartment in I want to say Queens, and it cost like a few hundred dollars a month to like live with this person, and I slept on like a futon, and I remember thinking like this was awesome you know mm-hmm. i was like i'm living in the this big is the life i'm living yeah. in the big cité on my own like without my family and working at this cool job downtown and this is amazing you know um but then like i remember like when i would go out with this person because you know he's like a cool person and i like i'm extremely grateful let's call him jake okay this person jake who like took me in and let me live with him um I remember going out once and like people like checking in and being like, are you doing okay, Jake? And it occurred to me that like to other people, Jake was still like figuring out his life if he's living in a basement apartment, you know? Uh, And Mm -hmm. I bring up that story because I guess like uh, where you are in life is all about perspective. And I think this is a movie that's about that. It also happens to feature the main character getting a basement apartment. Uh, and that's like a, being a big part of the story. And that's why I bring that story up. Um, but where you are in life is like all about perspective. And like, um, if you're really young and hungry and up and coming, it's like, oh, wow, getting a basement apartment. And this is like a huge step. And this is awesome. And I love the independence. And if you're like in your mid thirties, um, that maybe like for other people looking at you, they might be like, oh, like so, so-and-so is in a state of arrest development. I'm not, mm-hmm, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to like poverty shame or anything like that. I'm just saying like, yeah. this is what society often views things as, right? It's kind of the Scott um, Pilgrim thing too. He, he yeah, had yeah, a yeah, lovely yeah. little basement apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, again, nothing against basement apartments. My, 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 mm-hmm, my point mm-hmm. just being like, uh, I, I think that's the lens through which coming of age stories can be viewed through a lot is like, sure, sure. you know, what it's so often that what you think of as progress in one stage of life can be seen as like regression in other stages of life or like unacceptable and vice versa, you know? And I think that's one thing that funny pages brings to life. One one, one of the great things about this movie is it's basically about this kid who's graduating high school and he's trying to figure out what his life is going to be like. That's what the movie is. Um, I don't like the main character. I think he's like not a very good person and uh, I, I just unpleasant to spend time with the main character. But what's great about this movie is, and I think like the Safdie brothers were like executive producers on this movie, I want to say. Uh, it has their sensibility. I'm like, this feels like a Safdie brothers movies. It's directed by Owen Klein. Yeah. Um, it's wandering around Brooklyn too. I believe, wandering right? around Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, but uh, what's cool about it is uh, that like the Safdie brothers, if you've watched Uncut Gems, if you watched uh, good time, right? Like, you know that they're really good at getting an amazing cast. Like, 
ca- characters that look like they've never appeared in films before, basically, right? Uh, people who feel very authentic to the location that they're in. And that is very true in Funny Pages, um, where like there's all you're introduced to all these characters and you're like, oh, that person feels like the right per- like that feels I've seen that person before, you know, in that space. And um, that's really lovely. And I think, in my opinion, the centerpiece of this movie is like uh, towards the beginning of the movie, the, the kid gets a basement apartment. Um, and it is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it's one of the most disgusting spaces because basically like he's uh-huh. living with multiple other people who like aren't necessarily the most sanitary and there's like a big furnace that's heating the whole place all the time that they can't turn off. <laughs> yeah. And so everyone's just sweating the entire time they're down there. And anytime a movie can make me feel gross watching it, I got to give it credit even though even if I don't like the movie that much. Um, I think this movie is perfectly fine. It's a very interesting approach to coming-of-age movies. It made me deeply, deeply uncomfortable. There's enough here worth checking out. I it's think. also about comics, isn't it? Sort it's of? about comics, yeah. It's about comics, yeah, too. I haven't there's even some, mentioned that, but yeah, that's why it's called Funny Page. That's why it's called Funny Page. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. Like The, the comic stuff, I think, is like yeah, ki- yeah. kind of takes a backseat to a lot of this. It's really less about comics. It's more about this kid trying to figure out who he is as, as an mm-hmm. artist. You know? Gotcha. Um, so there are a lot of comics featured, but it's like that's that's it's like part of his journey, and there's many many different parts of his journey. Anyway, okay, mm-hmm. I've said enough about the movie. It's funny pages. It's available right now for purchase for rent on video demand. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Didn't love it, but uh, it does a lot of interesting stuff that uh, made me very uncomfortable. And I gotta salute any movie that does that. So <laughs> funny pages. You're yeah. celebrating the discomfort. I get it. That's what I've been watching this week. Devinder Harder. What have you been watching? I've been checking out some things happening at Sundance right now where Ooh, you can I'm, get virtual yeah, movie tickets. You I'm so glad them. they decided to keep that up. You know, Please, like five years ago, end. you could not get virtual movie tickets at Sundance. Mm-hmm. Well, they did kill the Sundance little virtual world and all that stuff with the VR headsets. And I am sad about that because that was always a fun little thing. Uh, but yeah, if you just want to watch some movies, especially movies that are going to be coming out in the next few months, um, you pay, pay a little money. I'm, I'm not sure like how I think things do sell out, but there's a chance you can see some things. One thing I'd recommend is Polite Society, uh, the new movie from Nita Manzur, the creator of We Are Lady Parts on Peacock. Oh, nice. I've talked about that show great, before. Great show. Great show. Great yeah. show. Fantastic show. I genuinely loved it. And I absolutely adored this movie, too. Like, um, I feel like vibe-wise, I would uh, basically click well ver- uh, with Nita Manzur's sensibilities. This is a movie about um, a young uh, British-Pakistani a Muslim girl who wants to be a stunt woman and her, she makes little YouTube videos. Her sister helps her out with this. Her sister is somebody who uh, dropped out of art school and is just trying to figure herself out. And this movie is um, it's, it's many things, but it's sort of like if you combine Scott Pilgrim slash like the matrix types fights occasionally with coming of age stories with, a sisterhood story with um you know the story of somebody uh getting married in a very um elaborate muslim wedding as well um it is so many things and i had a blast with it it's a ton of fun um but you can also tell that nita manzur likes this stuff so there are only a handful of fight sequences in this movie but they're really fun and they're really inventive and they harken back to the matrix and um you know other other like movies you've seen with great fight scenes have to say i also really love um priya kansara who plays um the lead forget her name ria ria khan 
And she's a lot of fun. I love her physicality. And you can totally get her as a character because she's a young, you know, teenager who her goal in life is to be a stunt woman, right? Like that, that is all she exists for. And her sister is older. It's like mid twenties, maybe, maybe not even thirties yet, but dealing with the sort of quarter life crisis where, okay, you've tried to do your thing and it's hard and maybe you're not very good at it. And she's had that sort of like spark kind of, uh, you know, uh, drained out of her a little bit. So with the potential, the idea that this person could get married and just like, okay, have, have what's quote unquote a successful life. Maybe that's a good thing. I think this movie explores quite a bit. It explores misogyny, explores racism in, in the UK, but really it's about sisterhood. And it's about this idea of if you're a creative person, you know, what do you devote your life to? And is that something you lose as you get older? I think it's about so many things, but it's also really funny and has fun action scenes too, like really well done choreography. I had a blast with this movie. Um, to me, it sort of felt like this year's Everything Everywhere all at once. Um, certainly has the same amount of heart, I'd say. Um, so yeah, I adore this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. And um, can we tell everybody can see it? It's coming out soon, in a couple of months. Um, April Man. 28th, it'll be in theaters. I've seen ads for this and it looks awesome. So it's I'm great, really excited great about trailer. it. trailer, check it yeah. out. I w- the trailer does kind of like, it does that thing where it sometimes, it plugs in like stuff from later scenes and not always a fan of that. But I think if you are interested in this idea and you want to see how hard this movie goes, um, do check out the trailer. It's, uh, it's a blast and you can watch it this week on Sundance. Yeah, uh, Sundance took a really interesting approach this year. Like I tried to get tickets to this last weekend. I don't even mm-hmm. know if they were on sale for online right, this right. last weekend. Um, but basically like press got access to screenings mm-hmm. online this last weekend. And then starting, I think tomorrow or by the time you're listening to this, actually, you should be able to buy tickets for digital screenings this week. I'm so glad they're doing it. Yeah. It's so lovely to be able to experience these movies with uh, everyone else the first time. Uh, but yes, as Devendra said, they do sell out and some people might Which ask, is like, weird. It is well, weird. It, but it's, yeah. it's weird, yeah. but it's because of like arrangements with distributors, right? Yeah, like they yeah. want to limit the total number of people that have seen them. They don't movie. want everybody who's going to see it in theaters right. to you, be it streaming It doesn't make sense to like uh, just sell unlimited, even though it mm-hmm. is a digital screening, it doesn't make yeah. sense to sell like yeah. unlimited tickets to see it online, especially if it's like Infinity Pool, a movie that is going to be mm-hmm. on theaters next week. So um, <laughs> they do sell out, uh, but uh, I am really looking forward to Like, it was such a great experience to watch a ton of Sundance movies last year. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it this year as well. So uh, that's Polite Society. It's one thing Davinder's been watching this week. Davinder, what else have you been watching? I'm going to surprise you guys. I have seen the first few episodes of that 90s show, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Netflix reboot of that 70s show. Well, you want to get real, guys? We are as far away from the 90s now <laughs> as we were from the 70s. <laughs> When the when that seventy show aired, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, cool. that's no. where we are right now. It's uh, it's awful. <laughs> what what isn't awful is the, is the show. I think it's it's a lot of fun. This has been a really hard week for me, guys. Like I I got slammed with two big reviews I had to do. I've been working all weekend. Sundance stuff dropped too, so I've been trying to watch things before they go away, so I can actually you write about them. A lot of stuff happening all at once. You know, you know what's nice? Sitting down. And just being in the format of that 70s show again, <laughs> having Kurtwood Smith talking about sticking his foot up of, uh, you know, people's asses, having Deborah Jo Rupp just be fun, like be Kitty, having some of the classic cast of that 70s show appear, but also having a whole new generation of kids who are kind of doing the same thing, but it's different, right? There, there is more going on in the 90s. Culturally, things are different. There's different technology, different like cultural touch points. Um, 
this show is fun. It's funny. It's not, it's not like groundbreaking, but man, is it a reminder of like, you know, what's comforting just like a sitcom because the <laughs> world is hell. So give me, give me a silly laugh track. Give me, you know, likable people doing silly things. Um, give me the spinny camera that goes around as everybody's trying to pretend to be high. Um, give me the, you know, uh, midlife crisis that the people we watched as teenagers, you know, in the nineties, uh, we're all kind of going through the same things. It feels like, um, I don't know, personally feels like I kind of grew up alongside some of these characters, which is weird. This is a weird sort of nostalgia, but it works because it's still funny. It's entertaining. And there's like a lot of new stuff here. I do like the new kids. I don't know if you guys have any affection for that 70s show, but I loved that show. I, I watched it all the time. I grew up with it, watched it with my family all the time. It was always like one of the better sitcoms. So to see it just like revived, to see Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp just be like, man, they are just kind of ageless, huh? They're just going to do the, They're really good at doing the same thing. And they're still very funny. And um, they're still so good in these roles. And it's really nice to see, um, you know, the cast return as adults, except for the dude play, who played Hyde. I hope uh, I, I don't know if they ever explained what happened to him, but I hope he, that character died in a fiery death. Um, but beyond that, like th this show is a lot of fun. I know a lot of people will disagree with me, but I think if you enjoy a good sitcom, it's worth checking out. It's right. crazy to me how everything is getting rebooted. Everything. Yeah. Is getting, I, everything. I, just, I was watching the uh, NFL playoffs a lot this weekend and mm -hmm. ads uh, like crazy for Night Court. <laughs> Night Court is back. What everyone's John, been waiting for. John yeah. Larroquette. I, I think almost every other <laughs> cast member from the original Night Court has passed away except yeah, John Larroquette. I forgot John Larroquette was still alive. So <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it's like, Guys, if you were a star, if you if you were a known name in the 80s or 90s, right? And now nobody knows your name, right? But you have this one one thing, this little bit of cultural cachet that you could potentially bring back. I don't blame people for trying. And uh, I remember liking Night Court. I don't know what a reboot would look like, but, you know, I don't blame them. It had a huge, evidently it was like the number one show uh, on its debut. Huh. And uh, even the dad from Family Matters is getting uh, commercials. Yes. Playing yes. the dad from TV. <laughs> it's uh we're in a Not nostalgia from uh from die hard yeah. yeah i you know i hate to i hate to like be ph philosophical and depressing two of my favorite things please please but uh do you guys feel like culture is already peaked you know what i'm saying like <laughs> like like it feels like it. we already it. we already did the best that culture can do and <laughs> Now we're done. We're done. We're just stuck remaking everything from this point. I mean, there, there like, is like, too much. We, we've talked about this. There yeah. is too much culture. And also we have things recorded so we can go back to old culture. It used to be things just kind of disappeared, right? Maybe some things were written down, but it's not like you were um, capturing a stage play from the 1800s, right? And rewatching it. <laughs> Except now you can't. So now what are we going to do? I just think it's like we created the best stuff we're ever going to make. And society has decided rather than try to create new things. Uh-huh. We're remaking Night Court. We're remaking you're, Full House. We're making yeah, you're, the 70s uh, show. You know? Your theory is that we peaked in the mid-80s? Yes, 100%. That, that's when society was at its height. <laughs> no, I, I believe it was 1999 because yeah. that was a hell of a year. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Sometime between the 80s and 90s. You know, that's when it happened. I mm -hmm. think it... it, it uh, <laughs> my, my counterpoint... <laughs> my counterpoint is I think really? that... Really? There's uh, a counterpoint to my unassailable <laughs> logic, Jeff? <laughs> I think that uh, perhaps I and we are part of a generation that 
really uh really likes nostalgia likes to navel gaze likes to mm -hmm. remember a simpler time we are um infants we were also we who, grew up we we were weaned on television we were weaned on television mm -hmm. that's 100 like percent true that's it and and television at that time had all the sharp edges rounded off it was mm -hmm. it was you weren't watching the last of us you were watching <laughs> i don't know jeff ha do you remember people. the ending of david the gnome jeff <laughs> no, no they they walked onto their death at the end of a children's show, like well, I didn't see that one. TV was hard. TV oh, did go dude, hard. You were, you were watching yeah. like the goal of TV was to create the best family, right? Mm -hmm. It was sure. family mm -hmm. ties, the Cosby Show. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it, these were. It, it was the whole idea was like, man, it's really hard. Probably the wife died at some point, but man, we're all just sticking it out. We're we're finding family and, <laughs> mm -hmm. and friendship and joy together. The, the, it was all about how like man. Isn't it wonderful to be friends and families? And 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 that I think we all yearn to return to that feeling mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of oh man, it was just it just felt good to watch television instead of anti-heroes <laughs> and you know dark uh, uh, reality shows where people hate each other and flip tables at each other and. And uh, you know, we, we kind of had post-apocalyptic. Like, cop, cops was a big thing in the '90s. You know, like the, but there cops was a lot were of the heroes in that show, da Davindra. Yeah, cops yeah. were the good guys. It was all about how we, boy, we sure can trust those cops to do the right thing. Yeah, to abuse these people on camera, it's great. Um, I'm just saying that yeah, was the. Yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not saying I agree. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah, that's yeah. the that's the that was the thrust of the argument. Was mm -hmm. it, you know, yeah. the good guys are good, the bad guys are bad, and never the twain shall meet. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the last 30 years of TV have been the Sopranos and post-apocalyptic and awful people turning Twin, on Twin each Peaks other on survival. This. Twin Peaks did it quite well. The X-Files was like all about uh, you know, moral quandaries and whatnot. Right. So. Or as Davindra is is hinting at, you know, I think that TV became a better reflection of who we really yeah. are and what society is really like. Yes, you know? yeah. Like that's well, another. I, that's a different way of David, putting it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Please do not conflate my argument into boy. Everything was better back then. <laughs> I'm saying I'm yeah. I'm uh, doing a retort on your on yeah, your yeah, yeah. preposterous notion that culture <laughs> peaked at that time. If anybody needs to hear what Devendra is saying, it's you, not me. That's true. That's true. I don't I don't think culture has peaked because you're looking right now like uh like like our friend Ryan Johnson. Um, there are people who are taking old things and remixing them in new and interesting ways. And there is a thing I will talk about next week that I think does it quite well. Um, it, it's just we are in a dangerous place, right? Like we're in a place where, hey, the next thing I'm going to talk about is a reassessment of something cultural. And we, I could talk about why it does it terribly. So, yeah. OK, well, yeah. fair enough, Jeff. I'm, I, I, I'm standing down. Mm -hmm. I stand down, okay? You're the, right, Jeff. Culture hasn't peaked. Every every society <laughs> thinks they are the peak. Velma, like, that's, is, that's the, the Velma is the ne plus ultra of what culture can produce. That's mm -hmm. um, Okay, I mean, anyway. It so, is also a nostalgia reboot, gritty-ized version of something that was wholesome back then. Yeah. Go, but anyway, go well, ahead. Anyway, that 90s show... Uh, is good. available on Netflix. TLDR, you should, it's you good. Should check it out. You should check it out. And that's mm -hmm. one other thing that Davinja's been watching this week. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back with more right after this. Davindra, uh, you mentioned Velma. Uh-huh. 
I, I have seen a conspiracy theory going around online that it is insane what is happening. That, that Velma yeah. is is made is so terrible. People think they literally made it that bad on purpose, uh-huh. uh huh, in order to create internet dialogue. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious what you think of the show. I think the internet has kind of lost their minds around the show. <laughs> like if you, uh, if you look up the show on IMDb and the <laughs> the user rating, right, which is all that's those are public things. It, it has a 1.3 out of 10. I've never seen a score that low <laughs> for anything mm-hmm. on IMDb, especially for a show that just came out. Um, that being said, the show's not very good. I, okay. I, and we should we should point out that the reason for that is because this is a show. This is one of those shows that manages to pit, piss off everyone. Like it's pissing mm-hmm. off everyone, no matter what your political persuasion it's, it's kind is. Kind of amazing. We are unified yeah. in our hatred of Velma. <laughs> this is yes. what is bringing society together. Actually, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot to dive into there. Like culturally, uh, I, I will talk about it probably. Like there there's stuff I I don't have time for here. But like, uh, yeah, Velma has been replaced by a young South Asian girl, and she's voiced by Mindy Kaling, and. Somehow the the immediate response from a lot of people was uh, you're ruining my childhood and that really pissed me off. I think the thing about the show is that it's just not very funny. It mm-hmm. is not. I don't know what it's trying to be, and I know you've seen it too, Jeff. But it is sort of like an adult um, reimagining of the origins of the Scooby Gang, except there's no Scooby here. I don't I, know if he I, appears I later. Know what it's trying to be. It's trying uh-huh. to be uh, Harley Quinn. I guess, except Harley Quinn is good, right? right? Like, uh, Harley Quinn is generally funny. It understands the characters. It is not just, like, shitting on these characters. It's poking fun at them. It's poking fun at the idea of a city of supervillains and superheroes and how they're always, like, fighting and how they're citizens who, like, apparently just don't want to move from the cellscape. Um, Harley Quinn is so smart about what it's doing, and I'm very confused by Velma because it, 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 it... I don't know if you guys watched The Venture Brothers, but mm-hmm. in the early seasons of the Venture Brothers, they basically did this. They did the screwed up adult uh, modern retelling of Scooby characters, except they couldn't quite call them Scooby characters, I believe. Um, but it kind of did this and it did it in a really smart way that sort of like definitely poked fun at at what those characters were and uh, who we like always kind of joked about them being. Um, this show is just a weird, gritty reboot that's not funny. It doesn't have Scooby-Doo. I, I, I don't really care if it even has Scooby-Doo, but it's not really smart about anything. I'd actually compare this more to a show like Riverdale, which it directly compares itself to, or at least uh, references at some point. And Riverdale is a somewhat gritty teen TV reimagining of Archie, right? I, I don't know how many people cared about Archie, but Riverdale was a lot of fun because it really, um, I think, toyed with its genre, really had fun with what we knew about those characters, but did some new stuff and just like leaned into what it was. Velma's just not like not entertaining. It's not funny. I don't care about any of these characters. It's a whole lot of stuff. Also, it turns out a lot of people just have a lot of like resentment towards Mindy Kaling for reasons I can understand and some for reasons that are just racist. So. There's a lot going on. This show really does have something for everybody to hate, you know? <laughs> Jeff Kanata, it's, it seems like you also checked out Velma on HBO Max. What did you think of it? I did. Um, I uh, I don't think it's very good. I also don't think it's that bad. I don't, yeah, it's not I, the worst thing I've ever seen. It's, it's, not, it's, like a pale, it's not like the pale blue eye or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are far worse things that could spark my yeah. ire than this. Yeah. And while I agree with uh, Devinger that it is um, not particularly funny... I mean, it does it does a, a few things here or there that it's very self-referential. I mean, there's a whole sequence at the beginning where it's basically like 
you know, talking about itself, you know, like, yeah. oh, don't you hate shows that, uh, you know, that have uh, crazy <laughs> reboots and and do, uh, you know, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. colorblind casting and, oh, uh, that include nudity at the beginning so that you it hooks you and then there's like yeah. a whole sequence where is they're it, all naked. Isn't it funny how pilot episodes always have more nudity than yeah. other episodes just to really get you hooked? Um, yeah. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not the the smartest thing in the world, but it's... Especially uh, you know, when it's a, the literal first scene of the right. show. It too. is the like, literal first... Is... And you, with none of the characters that we care about. It's Yeah, it's very... It's just the execution is not great, mm -hmm. but I also don't think that it's you know worthy of yeah <laughs> all the all the I, feel, I, I think I can feel a sense of it. Um, this show is very try hard, and I think that's yeah. something that makes a lot of people recoil too. Like more than just being bad, you're just trying really hard to be meta about this, or yeah. to have a smart commentary, or to be funny and gritty, or to put these characters in situations. And um, I think there's a lot of generation, yeah. there's definitely the younger generation of folks out there right now, try hard, if, if they sense that weakness, right? If, if your blood is in the water for trying too hard, you will be eviscerated. And that you, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't actually like succeed, you know, you have to be I cool feel like that's what's aloof. happened here. That's you know, why like cool. that's why we put zero effort into making the film cast. Exactly. So that's Don't try. Because of how never cool we try. are. Yeah, yeah. This is how we can ho hook in the Gen Z audience is by yeah, putting they love us. zero effort into the show. Anyway, okay. Never, well, so, uh, so I just want to yeah. say a couple more things. First yeah, of all, um, I do think this, this show only exists because Harley Quinn is so good. Absolutely. And yeah. that show yeah. is very, very good and very smart and very funny and brilliant. And... It's a bummer to me that this is what sort of quote unquote adult animation is. And this mm -hmm. sort of falls into this rut, uh, this templatized rut of, you know, this is, it's got to have, you know, uh, cursing and it's, it's got it, it, it. In contrast to that, mm -hmm. as I've mentioned, I think a couple of times so far uh, recently, I have been returning to like a warm blanket i have been returning to the simpsons yeah which the most recent seasons have been a joy to watch sitcoms jeff sitcoms, sitcoms. sitcoms. warm blankets I, yeah. I very much warm blanket but also the simpsons is and has always been a show for adults uh primarily and smart and insightful and but also has a heart mm -hmm. and isn't that sort of cynical crass thing that adult animation has embraced some, for some reason. Yeah. The, the post family guy post even. Yes. Very stuff, post family yeah. guy. Very good point. Um, but, but like the Simpsons is still doing it. It's still mm -hmm. doing it and still doing it really smartly and really well. And, you know, watching that sort of back to back with, with Velma, it's, it's such a contrast of, that, you know, you can do an animation that appeals to adults, that speaks to us, that has something interesting to say, that is funny, uh, and it doesn't have to be this thing, even mm -hmm. though, having said that, I do love Harley Quinn. Yeah, it's good at what it does, right? Like, that's not the being crass and, you know, um, being ultraviolent is not the thing that makes it funny. It's just like a, a, a feature, the right. feature around all the good writing and Harley Quinn. Uh, my daughter has started rewatching um, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Mm. And this is like her first time seeing it. And by the way, I don't know what's going on over at Disney Plus, but they like remastered the hell out of that show. It looks incredible. It's like it had a 4K scan remaster or something. You're, you're, you're they, sure you're talking about the show and not the new movie, right, Devendra? 
Yeah, no, Dave. I'm just I, jo- I know what I'm, 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 I'm talking jo- about cartoons. I'm just yeah, joking. Yeah. I'm just they joking. Because that's the whole thing. Three D now. It's that's crazy. Amazing. That's the whole thing from the movie. Anyway. Well, well, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna get to that too. Bad joke. Bad joke. I do think they they probably killed the aspect ratio because it is like widescreen now, and they definitely had to crop in for that. But it looks really good. Um, then I started, uh, my daughter and I, we watched the new movie, which I, I just have never gotten around to. It's so it good. It is so smart. So good. About how it's talking about what was going on Chippendales, you know, like in the show. And it's just good writing. Like, that's what it comes down to. It's good writing that understands like, oh, we're not just, we're not just being, oh man, Chippendales, they're, they're older now and they're doing drugs and, uh, they have hookers, you know, they're, yeah. they're like, that's, it's not just like the base jokes. It's like. No, they're these, you know, these basically actors who went out there to do a show and they were successful. And it kind of like it is a very organic way of writing those characters and rebooting that. I don't know what the hell is going on with this. This just feels try hard, I guess, is the, is the idea. All right. Well, that's Velma. And neither Devendra Hardwar nor Jeff Kanata liked it very much, but they also didn't think it was worth giving a 1.3 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Yeah, that's a that's a fiver for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, everybody. Go. Go watch the Venture Brothers. Like, mm-hmm. what a what a miracle of a show that uh, I think it was canceled, but apparently they are like trying to bring it. Like, uh, I think they got the green light to go ahead again. Um, but that thing went on for over a decade, and they would just like leisurely put out a season, right? Like, oh yeah, we we've been working on this. Here's six episodes. Here's here's a TV movie. Um, it's all good. It's all gold. Go watch that stuff, guys. Well, that is Velma on HBO Max and Venture Brothers. Check it out. It, that's also on HBO Max, right? Yeah. So I um, believe I've not yeah. I've not searched HBO, but it should be because it's under Cartoon Network. Yeah. Jefferson Kanaderson, what have you been watching this week? Well, I watched all of a Netflix show that I'm actually surprised we haven't brought up yet because it's been out a while now. Um, I don't know if either of you have watched this. I've it, heard of this one. I was yeah. going to pitch it for us to cover, but I, I'll explain why I didn't yes. after you talk yeah. about it. So, this yeah. is uh, the new Giancarlo Esposito show, Kaleidoscope, on Netflix. And the hook with Kaleidoscope is that it is a heist show where each episode takes place in a different time period, either leading up to the heist, on the heist, or after the heist. So each episode is either like, you know, 25 years before the heist, three weeks before the heist, uh, four days after the heist, where, you know, in, and self-contained episodes in those time periods. And then the crazy thing is the show is designed to be watched in any order and that Netflix itself will serve up the, the episodes to you in a random order. <laughs> That's fun. So we should have just like jumped in at different points. Well, and, I, I, yeah. so I was going to pitch like, hey, why don't we watch the show and like each watch it in a different order? But I don't think so, we have any. It, there's yeah. 7,000 different combinations yeah. of how the show could be watched. So and there are people online that have posted, you know, fun, recommended yeah. orders. Like there's the chronological order. There's the like they call it like the Tarantino order and all these different orders. Yeah. So I as I was going to attempt this i was like wow man i don't want to watch it in an order that sucks so maybe i should do one of these orders and then i went you know what i'm just gonna see what netflix serves up Mm, to me nice and see what happens right i should let me just point this out actually right off the bat jeff the most important thing about the show is that you watch white last (laughs) okay this sounds like a lot of work is that is that all uh, netflix served white last to me does that always happen 
Uh, my, my understanding is that th that is what they tell everyone or what you're supposed to do. Now, but some does people, the algorithm do that to you? I don't I don't know, but like this is this is what has been communicated by everyone is like you can watch them in any order except watch White Last. White that's, is the heist. Yes, that's right. So watch White Last. That's what everyone says. But I don't um, but like yeah. if that's is that's what Netflix says because that's what happened to me and I just thought that was that just happened to be the case, but if if it will put them in any order, but always white last, that kind of changes my review. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. Because I kept thinking, oh my God, how do you make a show where any of these episodes could be the last episode? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you have a satisfying ending where any of these episodes could be the last episode? And more often than not, most of the episodes end with like a cool song coming on and you know, people thinking and walking and I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this is how most shows end. Yeah. Like that, that could be the end, <laughs> mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. but I don't know, but, but it changes things. If the, the shows I'm says, reading from matchable, the show settings on the Netflix backend allow for white to always be the final episode of the sequence. Well, that makes more sense. Okay. Um, regardless of that, have you guys watched any of this, by the way? Uh, it's it's literally I on my personal Patreon. Someone asked mm -hmm. me to cover it, so I'm literally planning to watch the whole thing this week. I, I would yeah. like to watch it with my wife, but I, I recommend it. I think mm -hmm. you guys will enjoy it. I love heists, and I think we all enjoy a good heist. Love a good heist. Yeah. Uh, there is not just one heist in the show. There are multiple heists. Like the things that they do to get ready for the heist are a heist. You know, it's like it's cool. And there um and there's I'm not going to spoil anything, but you know, kind of framing it like, oh, it's all about this central heist isn't really true, right? There's there's really interesting stuff that happens all the time in the show. Um, and I think there's some really clever, clever things and some cool characters and some fun stuff. I mean, it wasn't a complete home run for me, but I think it's well worth watching. And part of me, you know, as I was sitting there experiencing the the entirety of this thing, I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what is better about this? Like, I understand the sort mm -hmm. of magic trick of it and the way this sort of promotes Netflix as a service in the sense that, oh, we can do this, right? We can serve this thing to you. And it's a cool, you know, like, um, what was that? Uh, the choose your own adventure, the balderdash, what was it called? <laughs> because of the B. Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. <laughs> Thank you. Balderdash. Balderdash. Who would uh, call a show Balderdash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Actually, I think it was actually called Shoots and Ladders. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand from their perspective, like why this is a cool whiz bang, you know, show off kind of uh, flourish. But I, I, from, a, from a creator's perspective, I go, is it better? Don't I just want to watch it in the way that you as an artist want me to see it? But having had the experience, I think it is extraordinary and it actually reveals things about storytelling that are profound. I couldn't help but think, oh my God, if I had known that before seeing this, you know, or if I had known the thing that I just found out now before watching the previous episode, it would have landed on me in a completely different way. There are <laughs> reveals that happen in episodes of relationships between people or who, who someone really is, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like how they, uh, you'll see a thing. And because you have no context for that thing, you don't 
flag it in your mind as being important. It's just a thing that happens in the context of the, of the story. But later on, you go, oh, you see a thing that recontextualizes the stuff that you watched. And we've all had that experience in movies, you know, movies that are told out of, out of sequence or there's a flashback later that shows you what really happened. But these flashbacks are dynamic. They aren't, you're, <laughs> I happen to have a flashback, but yeah. you could have seen it in chronological order and noticed what, you know, when you saw that thing come up, you knew it was important because it was planted previously as being an important thing. And it's just fascinating to me that I had an experience where I had a revelation mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. certain things and other things were just payoffs of setups. And for you, it'll be completely reversed. You'll have something that'll be a revelation that for me was a setup. And how cool is it that we as viewers, you know, this is very well-known, you know, film studies 101, right? That we are doing half the work, right? Yeah. That whole, that classic thing of, you know, you see someone, a, a close-up of a person looking to the left, then you see a close-up uh, or you see a shot of a building, then you see them looking to the right and you see a picture of a tree. We have done the work of placing that building to their left and placing that tree to their right when that could not be the case at all, right? Yeah. Je- Jeff, did you ever see Steven Soderbergh's Mosaic? No, I never did. I believe I've talked about it here because uh, th- that thing, that project, which was okay, it was an okay sort of like a uh, murder whodunit thriller. Um, but you, it, it was an app initially, and you could pick specific scenes and how they go together. I think you and just how explained you why I haven't seen it, but go ahead. Well, it was an app, and then it went to HBO. <laughs> yeah, but you know that you want that full control, Jeff. You want to see how these plot lines intersect. Um, you want to see Paul Rubens in a weird murder thriller from Soderbergh? Wasn't that wow. like a thing where like you 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 know you tap on a yes thing and there's like extra scene that you may not have seen and you have to tap on yeah. it and like yeah. I don't want to do any. Of that. You, you kind of control all I mean, of it. Um, I, I think what you're really mi- both missing out on uh-huh. is uh, Mr. Payback, an interactive <laughs> movie from 1995, uh-huh. Uh-huh. D- written and directed by Bob Gale, who by the yeah. way is the guy that wrote Back to the Future. Absolutely. I, um, I think we owe all this to uh, Dragon's Lair. Yeah, you know, yeah. back in the day, yeah. it's like really I keep think going. A, a, yeah. a night trap on the Sega CD. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, to be fair, Mister. First of all, I I think I've spoken about this before, but Mister. Payback was an actual interactive movie. Yeah, you yeah, go yeah. to a freaking showcase cinemas, and there is a oh, my uh, my personal assistant is talking in the background. Sorry about that. Um, you'd go to a movie theater. And uh, you would say there would be literally controllers in the movie seats. <laughs> yeah. And then stuff would play out. And then you'd hit, you'd smash a button to vote on what you want to have happen in the movie. Well, this is uh, uh, Balderdash, right? This is, uh, yes. the, but, yeah. but the point okay. I'm okay. trying to make. So anyway, Jeff, go ahead. Finish your but point. The point <laughs> I'm trying to make is in this experience, in the, in the kaleidoscope experience, yeah. you don't have to do any of that shit. Yeah. It just happens. And it's just, I mean, Part of this is is something that I've thought about for a long, long time in the context of video games. You know, so much of uh, video game design and, and big, long narrative, uh, you know, role-playing mm-hmm. games, for example, the, the mass effects of the world, right? So much of what people find valuable and, and the, the, the discourse around those games is like, oh, there's so much choice and there's so many things. But I've always thought, you know, for the end user, you as a creator, 
uh, of the video game are creating all these different branching things. But if I'm just making choices in real time and moving through or, or heavy rain or, or a, um, you know, quantic dream game is another great example of this. And later quantic dreams games, they were like, Hey, let's just show you all the branching paths to demonstrate all the work we did and all the places you could have gone because to the end user, it's, should be seamless and it should seem like that was the way things were written from the start. And it's like, well, all of that wonderful path, not taken stuff. You, you don't really even experience it in the, in the best case scenario. Right. And in, in a sense, that's kind of how kaleidoscope works is that you don't know what you don't know. And you don't, you don't, I, I only had the experience of watching kaleidoscope in the order. I watched it. But because I knew that as it was happening, my wife and I were constantly turning to each other and going, oh my gosh, if we had seen that earlier, <laughs> we would have known about that person doing that thing. And it's like, but, it, but is that a good experience? Like yeah. It? Because honestly, the way you're describing, you're, you're describing it very excitedly, but is it, it sounds awful to me. Yeah. It sounds awful yeah. to me. Is, or is it more like, wow, look at that. Rather, whoa, that was a good yeah, experience. I'd be, like, yeah. be so frustrated with what you're yeah. describing. That is, you know? uh, by the way, that is the sub title for the David Chen, Jeff Kanata relationship. You're, you're <laughs> describing it very excitingly, but that sounds awful to me. Um, <laughs> but enough about Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> um, no, so I'm trying to thread the needle here a bit and, and walk this fine line because I am of two minds as well. One of them is like, hey, just tell me the story the best way you think the story should be told, right? That why are we dancing this dance if there is a way that the story could unfold that is cool? Like you obviously as the creator have a way you want to tell the story. But I'm, I'm also saying that as a novelty, I actually had a blast. And, and because of the genre of the show, which is a heist, which is by definition, those kinds of things are like big reveals, big plot twists, big you know, you're constantly trying to stay ahead of the show in your, you know, I, my experience of, of, you know, watching that kind of thing, especially with my wife is like turning to each other and, you know, giving our theories or pausing the show for a second and being like, Oh, Oh, I think she did it or whatever it is, you know, that's fun. And this show more than most is expecting you to make connections and do the work, do the heavy lifting because they couldn't possibly foresee the 7,000 different ways the show could be ordered. And so there are things that kind of don't make sense in one sense and then later do, or, you know, and, and I actually had a really good time with that. I actually thought that was kind of neat because I knew the magic trick that was happening. I was, I was having fun playing the game with them of, oh my gosh, Let's imagine a different reality where we had seen this in a different order. You know, when the next episode starts and we're like, okay, which color are we going to get? Oh, it's the one that's six months before. Okay, cool. We'll get some backstory or whatever it is. And then we're talking to each other throughout of like, oh, that's the girl from the thing. We, you know, and then you go, oh, if we hadn't seen the thing, we wouldn't know that's the girl from the thing until later. So there's. I found a joy in that. And I, I'm very curious if you guys will too. But I, I think it's a, I wouldn't want every show to be like this, but I right, think right. they pulled yeah. it off in a, I think a very fun way 
And I, I kind of honestly don't know what the process of making this must have been like, but I can't imagine it was easy, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. But is mm -hmm. the show itself good? Because I think we've so. been talking about yes. the mechanics. Yeah. I think, I think the, yeah. yes, I think the, the episode to episode, like each episode being this contained time period is really cool. And there's enough really cool stuff that happens. I, I, you know, like I said, the show isn't a complete home run to me. There's a mm -hmm. few things uh, that I thought were a little uh, ham-fisted or easy. You know, there's a couple of things where it's like, oh, if only we, they set up like an impossible thing. And it's like, well, luckily I know a guy. And it's like, well, that's an easy out, you know? Um, but overall, I thought it's pretty darn fun. And some of the, you know, some of the Mission Impossible style, um, you know, with setting up the thing of like, well, there's no way we could do this. It's, you know, it's, it's yes. completely impossible to do this. And then the the ways that they've come up to do it, I think for the most part, were very satisfying and it's a fun ride. It's a, it's a smart yeah. show. And I, and I love Giancarlo Esposito and he's great in it. So yeah, fun, a fun show, easily to rec, easy to recommend. Very cool. It's Kaleidoscope on Netflix. I'll just say, I was going to pitch this idea of like us all watching it in different orders. Um, and then coming and talking about it. But what became clear pretty quickly to me from mm -hmm. reading about it, um, which it sounds like Jeff, you haven't, um, for you know, because of your uh because of the unsullied style, um, is that uh that there are like better ways to watch the show, you know? Yeah. Um some people are like, th th this is a preferred way to watch the show. These are the best way to and it's like, well, to me, that's weird, you yeah, know, like because yeah. if that's the case, then it's they should just all like, be equally good. Yeah. yeah. Or they, they should be equally good, or it's just like, or watching it in different ways should be like, oh, like this is a new way of watching. And mm -hmm. other than being different which is what it sounds like you're saying, Jeff. Oh, it's different that we didn't know that this important revelation was, was there. You right. know, um, it's not necessarily better. Right. And that's kind of, I that's would, kind of why it's like, okay, well then basically what's happening is like one of us will watch it in the optimal way and two of us will watch it in potentially inferior ways. You I know, would, like, yeah. I would encourage you to do something that is very un David Chen like, <laughs> and that is relinquish control for, for, and just dive into the abyss and just see what I, I think I'm really glad I let the algorithm just serve it up to me in a weird order because mm -hmm. there was kind of a, uh, there was kind of this thrill to that. And I mm -hmm. think if you're like, well, I'm going to study the best possible order and like, uh, you know, min max my experience. Yes. I, I That's, that, that was my plan. Yes. I don't think you should do that. I think you should just sort of leap into the abyss and play the game and see, because there, there is an episode that is the last chronological episode of the story. Mm -hmm. And it, you will not see that episode last, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I saw it. Because it's not white. Because it's not white, which is the last. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it shows the ultimate uh, fate of all, all the characters, right? It, it, mm -hmm. it, yeah. That could yeah. be the first episode you see. <laughs> uh-huh. That's pretty wild. Sounds wild, <laughs> wild. <laughs> I, it it uh, is interesting how I think the thing holding um, the Soderbergh project back was maybe uh, it left too much up to the audience, right? Mm -hmm. So you need you want to have this sort of mix and match, right? Maybe the algorithm can mix it up and give you a unique experience, but putting it entirely in the hands of users maybe is a bit too much. But also, this brings me back to when uh, Memento came out, right? And we were a lot of people were saying like, "Is it a good?" crime movie or are we just like intrigued by it being you mm -hmm. know backwards mm -hmm. yeah, yeah you yeah. know 
I also, Jeff, hilariously, you know, your, your reaction about the white episode is not uncommon. I saw a bunch of TikToks being like, <laughs> I heard you could watch it in any order, so I fired up white, and now I already know how the story ends. <laughs> well, that's what like, you said, right? I don't, think they, I don't think they did a good job of getting yeah. the word out there. You know, They need that. to, like, lock an yeah. episode or yeah. something. Well, yeah. Yeah. The, I think the intended way to, to start the show is go to Netflix, click yeah. on Kaleidoscope, and press play. And then yeah. you have three seconds between each episode to make a different selection, which I never did, right? You just mm -hmm. let it, and you go, ooh, what color are we getting next? And the first thing they show in the episode is the color, and then it, and it says the time period. So it would be like, you know, pink, four months later or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. and it's all in relation to the heist. It'll say like, the, yeah. you know, three days before the heist or whatever it is. So that's, it gives you, you know right away what time period you're in in relation to the heist. And so just like, just jump into that abyss and let the, let it put you wherever it's going to put you and draw conclusions. And I think, I think it's a really interesting experiment and a cool ex experience if you just let go and let it happen. All righty. Well, that's Kaleidoscope. It is on Netflix. I will think about it, Jeff. <laughs> You're not going to let it happen. I'm probably not going to let it happen. But I will watch it. I will watch it. So, you know, yeah. there's that much. Okay. Well, those are the things we've been watching this week. Let's get to Weekly Plugs. Weekly Plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been, we've been making. On my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen SKY. I have a couple of uh, YouTube videos up there. First is an in-depth discussion with Walter Cha about Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, neither of us liked that movie, and we kind of dive into detail about why that's the case. Then there is a conversation I had with Scott Mendelson talking about the amazing feat of Avatar The Way of Water achieving $2 billion at the global box office and why it's pretty remarkable and the historical context around that. Blue digital videos. feet, I mean, understand. They had, all the feet were mm. very... <laughs> Did, <yeah>. Oh my God. <laughs> They weren't CG, though. Not everything was CG. <laughs> YouTube.com slash Dave Chensky, Dave Chensky, why? That's Those are my weekly plugs. Devendra, how about you? I spent the whole weekend reviewing the new MacBook Pro, uh, the 14-inch one with the M2 Max chip, so go check that out at Engadget. Um, it's faster, guys, and I think for video people, um, it actually made like a remarkable difference when it came to like a 4K to 1080p transcode, mm, so mm. maybe you video nerds out there will appreciate this one. Uh, but yeah, TLDR, don't, don't, you don't need to rush out and upgrade. Yeah, but I mean, dude, like if you, these devices are so cool, man. They're so I, cool. I have two Mac Studios, you know, like I use, I do a lot of video editing and um, that it seems has like a bit much, but yeah, it, it has really changed my whole workflow and possibilities that I, of what I, I can also achieve. have the new Mac mini that I'll be reviewing later this week. So yeah, I mean, I mean, too. can you imagine if like the Mac mini had been that, that M2 Mac mini had been available uh -huh. like at the beginning, like, you know, five to 10 years ago, it would have been like, wow, like the stuff mm -hmm. you could have been able to make with that. It's amazing. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug? If, like the third largest Dutch newspaper, you are amazed that there are limericks in this podcast, mm -hmm. you can get a, very, a limerick for your very own, a very limerick for your very own, even. Uh, for any occasion, it's, it's a delight. Hey, we got, we got uh, Valentine's coming up. You want to have a nice Valentine? Oh, give your, give your loved one the gift of a limerick, it's poetry. That's romantic, right? Come on, beautiful, wonderful. Delivered by me, who is extremely romantic. 
I would urge you to check out my Cameo page, cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, to see all of the effusive five-star reviews. People have enjoyed getting limericks made specifically for them or their loved ones for any occasion. Check it out. Order yours today. I think you'll enjoy it. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash film podcast. So you can do that. Sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Reminder that this week on the After Dark, Jeff Kanata and I will be discussing Paul T. Goldman and probably answering a couple of your messages and emails. We never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. So if you want to support us for free, very easy to do that. Just leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast or share about the podcast on social media. It does make a huge difference for us. Thanks so much to everyone who supports this podcast in whatever way you can. Let's get to our review of Sick. Where's your mask? This isn't a vacation. It's a quarantine. A quarantine in style. Are you kidding me? This is incredible. Sick. And it's all ours. The only neighbor is miles away. I thought you were spending quarantine alone. What are you doing here? I wanted to see you, and quarantine can be fun. This is the film cast review of the new movie, Sick. This movie is directed by uh, John Hyams and written by Kevin Williamson and Caitlin Crabb. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Due to the pandemic, Par- Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone, or so they think. Uh, so I think we're, we, we actually did a scream series on the film cast in the after dark, uh, not too long ago, uh, more good movies than bad ones in that series. I think, Mm -hmm. um, overall I'm looking forward to scream six. Uh, so it should be exciting. Uh, big Kevin Williamson fans on here, uh, on this podcast, Devendra, I know you're, you're a pretty big Kevin Williamson fan and, and, uh, you lobbied to review this movie, which is streaming right now on Peacock. What did you think? Of sick overall. Yeah, so I talked about it before, and you know what? Upon like thinking about it more, I do. I really want to check this movie out initially because there were some rave reviews from festivals, and I Mm -hmm. do think maybe some of those are a little overblown because this is, I think, a really solid um, horror movie. Like it's a it's a solid slasher movie. Um, Especially, I think what I came down to is I really love the direction of this movie. I think. John Hyams, who is known for doing some like great action movies, like uh, people love his Universal Soldier movies, I believe. And um, yeah, I, like, I've gotten a couple of messages from people saying yeah. that you would love that Universal. We, Soldier we need movie to check those out for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but like the the actual like kill sequences and like the the parts where like uh, killers are chasing the characters in this movie, I think are really well done. And like the actual like fighting between them all really solid. So uh, to me, this is like a really nice lean and mean slasher movie. Maybe not like a groundbreaking thing like scream was. I have to say, I am surprised that I, I appreciate the direction more than the script in this movie, because I, I come to Kevin Williamson projects, you know, for something different to kind of like change the genre or kind of play with it a little bit. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, didn't really feel that here. Um, it feels like the beginning, like gives us an opening scene that is very scream like. And even in that beginning scene, you're like, Oh, did you just write in bad horror movie choices? Like of characters, um, hiding in a room, right. While they're being chased. And, uh, 
they literally have nothing to protect themselves with. They'll come back out to make sure the killer's not there anymore. A lot of dumb decisions. This movie is filled mm-hmm. with dumb decisions, and I get that. And I can also sense like what you didn't like about it, Jeff. Um, but I do think in among the like the field of slasher movies out there are certainly ones um a few have like really dealt with the pandemic very well so i kind of appreciate that too but i think in spoilers i'll talk about like my feelings around like where this movie goes because i think it, a little bit is is kind of messed up i guess maybe compare uh, given where we are now yeah with masking and where we are yeah. in the pandemic which is still happening so yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it i think it's a solid thriller and a solid slasher but uh i would have loved more like maybe a little more more in the characters more more in the story or something Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Sick, the new movie streaming on Peacock? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Sick are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hit us, Jeff. I sure wish that I was immune (laughs) to this film and its inopportune premise and plot. It proves that there's not a genre excuse for too soon. Hmm. Mm, okay. So there's not you're immune to sorry. That was nice rhymes, but uh-huh. what is your actual feeling on the movie? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you actually <laughs> I think? I couldn't untangle that. The movie is about uh 120 minutes or uh, an hour and 20. Hour and yeah. 20. Yeah. Uh 80 minutes. Nice. Uh nice yeah, I love a brisk yeah, movie. I love a brisk yes. movie. Mm, love uh, it. However, uh about an hour into this movie I thought it was a wholly unremarkable slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay. I kept waiting for the reason that this movie was made. I kept mm-hmm. waiting for the idea that caused this movie to exist. Right, right. And when it finally arrived, it was a massive disappointment. Mm. <laughs> I thought this movie was uh, almost a complete waste of my time. Mm. Uh, not a lot of time. Not which a lot is of nice. time. Not oh, last okay. time, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it just, it just feels like a lark, and it, it's kind of, it, to me, it's insulting. Uh, and uh, I would, will definitely talk about it more in spoilers. To untangle the uh, the limerick, as it were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, you, you know, in comedy they say there's too soon, uh, yes. and it, maybe in horror there's too soon as well. I see. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, it is uh, inopportune means, you know, uh, poorly timed. Yeah. And, uh, and immune is a, is a pun on the, the fact that people get sick. Uh, mm, I will yeah, say yeah. this. It was wild to me. The movie starts with uh, something that happens uh, in a lot of movies across all, a lot of genres, but particularly in genre movies in, you know, science fiction and horror. They, it starts with a title card mm-hmm. that sets things up. And you'll have, you know, uh, you know, in the year 30,000, you know, robots have taken over. That kind of thing happens in the beginning of movies, sets up the scene. Yeah. And in this movie, it's, it's the year 2020. March. M- yeah. Masks. March 2020. It, it's, it, it outlines something that we have all lived through, but sounds <laughs> yeah. like a science fiction premise. Mm-hmm. It sounds it wild what we lived through. It is totally yeah. wild. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, it's amazing how recently that was and how absolutely foreign it feels to mm-hmm. read it mm-hmm. in black and white text uh-huh. on a movie screen. You go, yeah, yeah. that's bizarre. Talk yeah. to some people uh, that never even happened, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, true. yeah that's even more. Bizarre. So, but I, yeah, I, I did not, ahead, I did, I thought this movie was, uh, you know, it, it, it was sort of this banal kind of uh, rote 
slasher thing that just didn't, I was like, there's nothing special about this for mm -hmm. two thirds of its runtime. It's like, okay, you're doing a slasher movie, but like, why, why are we even here? And then when it finally is revealed why we're here, I, I, it was just a massive letdown to me. That, that could have been pushed up to like the halfway point or maybe to like really cement <laughs> yeah. like what, what is going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to come in probably in between you guys on this one. Um, and I will say there's a bunch of things I liked about this movie. Yeah. Okay. Let me start with, uh, we've talked at length about how different movies have or have not tried to capture what the pandemic has been like. And of all the movies we've talked about in the last two and a half years, this is the one that I feel comes closest. It does it, yeah. To capturing the kind of sense of paranoia and um, sort of uncertainty around what it was like yeah. in April of 2020. Now, I haven't seen some of those other movies that were shot during lockdown, but like, I feel like, oh, wow, like the opening scene, that really is... What we were like, all in that grocery be, store. Everyone we were, was wearing masks. You'd be yeah. waiting in line, socially distancing. Someone would cough and you'd freak out. Like that's what it was. Like. You'd wipe down your groceries because you had no idea it was mm -hmm. airborne at the time. Like no one knew anything about anything. And I do think there's something like uh, inherently valuable about capturing that. Like there's something mm -hmm. about like, hey, there's something something that art has the the capability to put us into that time in a way that like nothing else reading a news article or listening to a podcast doesn't. Right. So like I appreciated that. Second thing is I don't think it's an unremarkable slash film in terms of craft. I think there's like a lot of interesting stuff yeah. that's done in terms of the style of the movie. Uh, several of the sequences are made to seem like one long continuous shot. Yeah, you can the tell they kind of edited is, in. is beautiful. And yeah. that's very atypical for slash films because typically uh, horror lives mm -hmm. in the edit. Like this movie is is constructed like an action movie, which right? I right. So, so like, yeah, yeah you, you, in a horror film, to build tension, you cut back and forth between things. This is a movie that's like, hey, what if we didn't do that? And yet, I think is still able to create a lot of tension um, and excitement and suspense in these scenes. So, I actually think from a craft perspective, there's like some really interesting stuff uh, that I really appreciated about. It. So, so about. 40 to 60 minutes into this movie, I'm like, oh, this is actually like pretty good. I'm like, I'm like digging this. Also, it has um Gideon Adlon, who plays Parker. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we she was in Blockers, I yeah. want to say. One and of Pamela, awesome. Pamela Adlon's kids. Yeah. She was awesome in that um mm -hmm. movie. So I'm like, it's always great to see Nepo Baby. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> it's Nepo always great movie. to see her yeah. in a movie. So I'm like, uh, so uh, like how like an hour into this movie, I'm like mostly like digging this movie. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked. And then the ending happens. And turned me all the way around on the movie to actually, I think the movie's actively bad for society. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Did you did you put a turd in my drink when I wasn't <laughs> yeah. looking? That's kind of like, what I, I felt I was like. enjoying the movie, and then I'm yeah. like, oh, this is yeah. pretty good. And then like, and we'll talk more about it momentarily. Yeah. But I'll just say that like, the ending of this movie, uh, movies, yeah, the ending of this movie, in my opinion, is unforgivably bad. Mm. And um, and really turned me around from like, oh, this is like a pretty cool one location slasher movie to like, um, what were they thinking? I think this is a terrible yeah. miscalculation. And also so something I of... didn't see discussed at all, like in reviews or writing about this movie, really. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I felt kind of crazy mm -hmm. just have just feeling this way about it. But yeah, we'll see. Well, let's let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just so, want to say, like, yeah. even the first two thirds, like comparing it to something like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies 
It's like it's in a, it, well, that movie's the, in a different league. I, I will tell you, I will say the script of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is much stronger than this movie. Yeah. And, but I think and like literally yeah. every moment of tension in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is superior. Bodies is doing Scream basically is doing the sort of like reworking of the genre. I don't, I don't yeah. agree with that. You know, Jeff, yeah. I think like wow. from, a, from a craft perspective, I think that like mm-hmm. a lot of the, like these like set pieces or action scenes are like really pretty creatively constructed in this movie, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I, I disagree I, with you completely. I feel like I watched a different movie than you. Yeah. No worries. No worries. It happens. Yeah. Um, this is, this is my yeah. avatar, the way of water. This except I also don't like you, this one. I hear you <laughs> describing it excitedly yeah. and yeah. It sounds to me, whatever you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also, well, this is not your genre, too, Jeff. Right? Like you do, you don't watch these no, things but, for fun. Dude, typically. I loved yeah. bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah, I yeah. Loved... But that is atypical. That is the scream <laughs> well, of slasher movies right now. Well, yeah. that's what I want, dude. I want yeah. if if I'm gonna watch one of these, I want it to be exceptional. You know, I, like let, let there, there's say, room let, for let, a hamburger. Let's parse, let's yeah. parse yeah. this a little bit. Yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. You keep saying it's a scream of slasher movies. I. It's it's the scream of slasher movies in the sense that, in my opinion, mm-hmm. both bodies, 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 and scream do a great job of like capturing this really crackling dialogue that these characters have, and like capturing the dynamics between them, and and right? sort of the but, uh, the 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 um the youth sensibilities of yes, the moment. Sure, I don't think that bodies, bodies, bodies is uh, like you know, there's some sequences where. Um, People are uh, killed in the movie, but like I don't think they're like I don't look back, think back on them, and we're like, oh, that, that yeah. was the best part of the movie. The best part they, of the movie was the interactions between the characters. They assume it, you know the genre is what I'm talking about, like the, sure. the sort of like meta reinterpretation I see, I see, of yeah, what a slasher movie could be. Good, I, good. I realize saying it's a scream of it is confusing. yeah. Let's just clar- let's yeah. clarify what, what that means. But right? that is what but, I'm talking about. Yeah. But but in this movie, in this movie, I think it's like there's actually solid genre yeah. filmmaking, like direction yeah. in this. movie. But if you're if if yeah. if your criteria is the like the kills, uh, which is a mm. perfectly valid criteria. Yeah, yeah. I w- I would say that I'm much more interested in the level of tension, which I think bodies, 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 barbarian. Like there's a handful of movies that do it so much better than this movie ever does mm-hmm. that have yeah. come out recently. For sure, but you just made you named two of the best horror movies. Well, why why like, would I not compare? Like, this what I'm saying. Not everything has to be a steak, Jeff. Like sometimes <laughs> you can have a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. That's all. Like I think this is a very good cheeseburger. That's I'm just what saying, I'm saying. If, if yeah. I'm going to sit down for a meal and I'm going to choose between, has to be between... steak. <laughs> Got to be steak. <laughs> I I think. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I don't, I get I don't, it, I don't fault Jeff for having high standards. Let's put it that way. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about spoilers for this movie starting right now. Let's talk. We're getting into spoilers for Sick beginning now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. So uh, let's just talk about what the spoiler is, right? The big reveal at the end of the movie is that. And and I have to say, there was a moment when I'm watching the movie and. I, I'm like, okay, well, when they reveal who the killer is, it yes. has to be yes. someone who's somehow connected with these people. We, and there's not yes. enough characters. We're like, well, there's not yeah, enough there's characters. Not enough character. There's yeah. not enough characters. So it's like, how are they going to make this well, work? There's right? one cool moment yeah. where we see we see a killer die. And we're like, the oh, killer yeah. is dead. Yeah. And we pull yes. off the mask and we can't even tell what the face is because it's so mangled. And I'm like, but, 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 oh, that, this movie has an opportunity to do something mm-hmm. really cool right now. Because I've never seen that. Yeah. I've never yeah, seen yeah. 
killer's yep. face mangled beyond recognition. It doesn't matter who this is. And second killer. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that was a cool moment. That was, that was a cool, cool. moment. I really this might be that. amazing. I was, I was like, I was like haven't, seen, haven't seen a movie where like halfway through, boom, the, the killer dies. Like, yeah. it's like, whoa, what? Mm -hmm. What is going on now? Like, what? anything could happen now. Yeah. Even, um, though, even though Scream did the two killer thing too. Yeah. Right. Sort of. 100%. Yeah. But, it wasn't, but yeah. it wasn't in the same way, right? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Um, Okay, so but what you find out is basically that it's tied back to this Instagram photo they've been talking about the whole time, where the main Naughty character, post, yeah. who's not taking COVID as seriously as the other people, um, she was asymptomatic. She infected someone else. That person died, and then yeah. th that person's family wanted to get revenge on her. And That's apparently kind of, infected her friend, too, I guess, who, who yeah. was worried about it. Yeah. I mean, as we all know, any family that decides they want revenge is going to pick up a carving knife. Mm -hmm. and chase you through a house. I don't think it's a carving knife. I think it was like a survival, like a... Like a well, yeah, it, like a because in America, the, yeah. the weapon of choice we know is a Bowie knife. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't feel like they thought through the plan very well. Yeah. You know, I'll, 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 but, but and here's also, the thing. hey, you have a smart idea to put a mask with some chloroform on it? Maybe start there. Maybe that's plan <laughs> one instead of having your husband and sons run through in a completely haphazard, ill-conceived... You had the forethought to chloroform the mask. Well, Jeff, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the people who are who turn out to be the killers in the Scream movies are mentally unbalanced, generally, <laughs> and not of their right mind. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they enjoy the... This is the thing that justifies every one maybe of the Scream it. movies, is they enjoy the killing with the knives. This, like hey, I don't, I, feels good. Flash, this know? is not a Scream movie. Yeah. Uh, and also, the, the the whole idea of this is we're supposed to go, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get why they would... Do, I get why a normal family would do this. Driven mad? Yes. By their desire for revenge, they started making very illogical decisions about how they could. And there, there are so many other places <laughs> where th this movie could have actually brought in real world paranoia because we were certainly not lacking in paranoia to sort of like build who these characters are. And it, it is kind of it is kind of like half baked. Right. And well, it, the thing that makes me feel actively bad, and I referenced this before, too, is that. um So, yeah, the hero is is the girl who who got all her friends infected. Right. The, that is our that is our protagonist, the person right. who didn't give a shit and the people who are angry about somebody who died, which sucks uh, because of that girl um, are the villains. And also they they appear to be the ones taking covid the most seriously other than yeah. the friend. You know, that yeah. that is kind of what icked me quite it's a, a send up of all the people that yeah. took it seriously. Got, got sure. to wear your mask. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, here here are some here are some facts. Here's some mm -hmm. facts. OK. Uh. COVID is likely going to be the third leading cause of death in the United States in 2022. After mm -hmm. knife attacks in your <laughs> cabin. Yeah. I believe it's after heart disease and cancer, but oh, yeah. also um, after um, gun attacks, like after yeah. being shot for kids. So, America. so um, hundreds of thousands of people died of COVID in 2022. Mm -hmm. Less than died in 2021 and 2020, but still mm -hmm. enough to be one of the leading yeah. causes of death. Three to 4,000 um, people dying every week. Still happening. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, if you believe facts, Dave, <laughs> uh, and U.S. life expectancy is at its lowest point since 1996. So basically, like after decades of progress, life expectancy actually went down several years. Doesn't feel like anyone's talking about that, though. Um, well, there well, is. How, how let about finish, let me just finish. Yeah, one yeah. Thing. Let me just yeah. finish one thing. Um, movies come out during very specific 
social and political context. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie's coming out right now at a very fraught time for people who want to, con- who, people who think COVID should still be taken seriously and people who don't. I don't think the full story of how our society thinks of COVID has even been finished being written yet, right? Uh, and it's possible, like, decades from now, when we're looking back on this movie, we'll be like, oh, we were totally right to not take masking seriously or that, like, to think masking people were freaks and weirdos um, because it's not a big deal at all. Or uh, those people could be seen as person. I don't know yet. What I do know is that um, there is a almost a need right now in mainstream media to pathologize people sure. who take COVID seriously. Downplay the, actually taking it seriously. In yeah. the New York Times, yeah. there was a piece written called The Last Holdouts. And it was like, these are the last people who are still taking COVID seriously. Aren't these people such weirdos? You know, New Yorker published the same piece like literally yeah. yep. days later that was like, these are the people who want us to mask forever. And I makes, was in New York make, several weeks ago. No masking. Yeah, and, and it, it, it makes yeah. people who who want to seem like who want to mask like seem like freaks mm-hmm. and weirdos. Like that's yeah. that's yeah. kind of what a lot of our media is pointing towards these days. And in that context, I think a movie like this, which has the ending it does, which has the message it does, is damaging. Like it's it's actually it's actively damaging to public health, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, now, I agree. Okay, if if this movie came out five years from now, maybe I'd feel differently. The good news is. If, yeah, this movie's on Peacock. No one will see it. <laughs> but but yeah, it's, well, uh, my thing isn't yeah. that just of where we are now. Like I do think like pathologizing or making fun of like people who were taking actual precautions back then, because I was there. We were we were all there. We all lived through this and like yeah. had to deal with family members who didn't want to take it seriously. Had to deal yeah. with people who just didn't want to wear a mask. And I remember that. Like I'm more. It certainly sucks that this is where society is now and that even our presidential administration is apparently still trying to push this idea that we will just live through it. I guess, I guess we kind of have to, but what really annoyed me is that, yeah, I I was one of those crazy people trying to do everything right. You know, and I feel like a lot of people were, and this movie does pause it like, Oh, maybe you're a little, maybe that was a little much. I think the whole. Correct. It makes, it makes people Mm -hmm. who, who are advocating for masks into like, Freaks, basically. I yeah, th- that, I think that this movie scene yeah. um, with Jane Adams, who I love. I love seeing Jane Adams in everything. But the whole, like, I'm being chased by a killer. Uh, please put on your mask before you get into the car, right? Like, that's well, in at, at the least trailer. That was motivated because she wanted her to get the chloroform. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, 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 I was yeah. initially angry at that. But then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, at least he's a killer. And then my anger yeah. turned back around again when but I found joke. out that it's because, like, yeah. they're, they, they're taking COVID too seriously. For sure, for sure. That, um, that's, that is the joke, though, that, oh, anybody who asked you to take, to put on a mask if you got into their car or if, like, you went to their house w- was maybe a little much, right? Like, it, it yeah. felt like yeah, a it was weird unhinged. Comparison. Yeah. There, there are yeah. viral videos countless viral videos of people freaking out in public because they've been asked to put on masks, yeah. right? Like people freaking out and attacking people uh, because they're wearing masks. And I, uh, I just think that a movie like this um, is irresponsible and I hate it. Um, so, and, and, yeah, and for what, kind of, right? Yeah. For what? Because it's like a, a silly goof idea. It, it It's playing in a sandbox of real charged yes uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, life and death stuff yeah and and for what like it's it, it's just like look how silly we are I, it, I think it was more like uh kevin williamson or maybe other like somebody you're in lockdown you're like you're stuck and you're coming up with like oh, what am i gonna do like well what uh, maybe i should get some work done and like people are taking these kernels of what's happening in reality and like just 
using them as story fodder without thinking of the consequences. I think that's potentially it. I, I, I do think that there was a interesting good movie to be made around mm-hmm. like, yes. around mm-hmm. the paranoia that we all felt. And honestly, yep. honestly, you want a you want a good slasher movie that captures like paranoia really well? Bodies, mm. bodies, bodies. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Oh, you if know? only somebody had brought that up earlier as a yeah. comparison yeah. point. Too bad um, no one of note on this podcast yeah. brought that up. <laughs> I also think that it's it's so lazy that he I mean, I, I feel bad being making it personal, but it does feel very lazy that he just made it into a slasher movie. Mm. Like it, it really does feel it's like all he does, yeah. It does feel like scream the generic brand of scream like it it, it mm-hmm. doesn't even have the identity that makes scream so interesting that you know the 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 ghost face killer and and so so much of what makes scream iconic this movie just like doesn't even bother with there could have been the, i agree with you dave that there could have been a version of this idea that actually felt smart Yep, and, mm-hmm. and this, and this yeah. movie is is incredibly lazy. This feels and, like a first pass script, basically. Yeah, like, and then he did have writing help too, so I'm not sure how, like how that worked out. But, but yeah, but, yeah I mean, I, I I did think the opening scenes were actually pretty good. Like it it was a weird time. It, there was mm-hmm. a lot of paranoia. Yep. What's damaging? How can people infect each other? And um, we, we didn't know anything at the time, and I think that like uh, figuring out a way to tap into that would be interesting, you know? Um, and, and arguably people, some people think that that's what he accomplished here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, Oh, well the, the killer is, is really the, the ultra, the people who took it too seriously and the paranoia that, but it's like, but Devendra, as you pointed out, it's like, there is weight to who is the hero and who is the villain in the story. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, yeah, I think this movie chose- does not deal with the, the actual fact is like, she, she definitely infected her friend. Her friend mm-hmm. who was worried about catching COVID at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, she's positive. You know, she's positive. Through the she's whole in movie. The, in the whole movie. <laughs> so, like, yeah, to me, so. like, that, that is a weird, loose thread. And just like, okay, I, I don't quite know if you really knew what you want to say. Yeah. Anyway, there were there were portions of the movie I liked, as I, as I yeah. clarified. Like, I, it's th- not, I like when the characters yeah. are good, when the characters yeah. are smart. Yeah. Not when they're dumb. Because they also do very dumb horror movie thing i don't know if you know this yeah. but if you access a wi-fi your mm-hmm. router starts blinking differently blink <laughs> yeah every just, router i've ever be, seen yeah it's always blinking it's just be careful just be yeah. careful it start blinking red and that's how it's gonna red. yeah anyway okay. you know if get, somebody knocks at your door it uh, pulls up in a strange car be sure to step outside <laughs> to look around okay okay that was yeah. a cool moment when he's like walks inside yeah. and he's yeah, not yeah. saying anything and he's yeah. like because he's on the phone i thought i enjoyed that that was like that was fun but also that like, was a fun moment who would step outside. I like the <laughs> horror movies where they're at least like, okay, I'm not going to do the dumb horror movie thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they could do, they even need to step outside for that. But yeah. Jeff, any any other thoughts on on the movie? It seems like I, you. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 you just I, hated it. Yeah, I really hated it. Right. I really hated well, it. Well, Je- Jeff, uh, I I do just want to say a, a big thank you to Jeff for watching this one and um for watching Plane last week, and then also next week, I think this one's going to be a sacrifice for you too, Jeff. But I appreciate <laughs> it. We've become. <laughs> We've become a horror movie podcast. Yes, yes, we should have. Yeah. We should have kept the name the slash film. The slasher film. <laughs> yeah, back like. in, baby. Yeah, put the slash back in. But uh, anyway, thank, thanks for watching it, Jeff. Um, Devendra, I think it's a. It's a, there's some interesting things yeah, about this. This movie. is a it's good a, discussion. It's a, it's a take. Yeah. it's a take on 
yeah what a pandemic horror movie could be and it's a mm-hmm. it's one that's worth reflecting on and in my in yeah. my opinion repudiating i'm also um, glad we had this conversation <laughs> because uh not many people are seeing this movie i certainly have not seen much written about it other than the early festival reviews and i don't think anybody has done this this angle of like oh it's really fucked up how <laughs> what this movie is actually saying so mm-hmm. heard it here first folks we need yeah. to be the last stand okay uh at the end of the day, though, despite everything we've just said, it's still really impressive that John Hyams made a movie. Although I want to see his Universal Soldier movies now. So, yeah. yeah. All right, folks, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. Find more episodes at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen from Varsity Blue and The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Our weekly club plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, it's going to be Infinity Pool. Infinity Pool, the new Brandon Cronenberg movie. Oh, boy. Literally, while we were recording this, reviews for the movie broke, and they are wildly polarized. I love it. Yes. It's going to be an interesting time. Um, Jeff, I promise we'll do a movie based on a play you like at some point in the future. (laughs) All right. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) until then, you can keep it tuned in here to the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. We really appreciate it. And until next week, goodbye.